0: Almost a whole year since the election, the review of 2.1 million ballots for Maricopa County's 2020 election cycle has ended. Kind of. On Friday, September 24th, Cyber Ninjas, the Florida company that reviewed the county's ballots for the state Senate, reported its findings.
1: According to the company's review, former President Donald Trump actually lost by a larger margin than the county's certified election results. Senate President Karen Fan presided over the hearing that served as the anticlimactic capstone of her nearly year-long effort to reexamine how Trump lost Arizona. She prefaced the findings by saying, truth is truth, numbers are numbers.
0: Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez with Ron Hansen. For more on who Karen Fan is and how she found herself in a position to second guess the results of an election 10 months after it was held and certified, we turn to Arizona Republic reporter Mary Jo Pitzel. Mary Jo has covered the state legislature on and off for a long time, and she's watched Fan navigate the Capitol for more than a decade.
1: Mary Jo sat down with Fan recently to dive a little more deeply into perhaps the most pivotal player in this ballot review. Unlike her colleague, House Speaker Rusty Bowers, Fan went along with a ballot review. She signed on to subpoenas to obtain materials from the county and helped press the county to hand over its ballots and tabulation machines. And she's presided over various public proceedings involving the review. A year ago, most people didn't even know who Fan was, but now she's synonymous with efforts by some pro-Trump Republicans to undo the results of the 2020 election even though she said this is about improving election procedures and processes. Mary Jo, welcome back to The Gaggle.
0: Thanks for having me. So let's start right off for folks who might not have been following along so closely. Who is Karen Fan? Well, she
2: is a lawmaker of 11 years standing. She's from Prescott um, up in Yavapai County, a very red part of the state. She's a businesswoman who has a Interesting background that goes back to working in the airlines. I loved it that she mentioned that she was a flight attendant in the days of hot pants and go-go boots. She wouldn't share photos, unfortunately, <laughs> but she had she um she had a good attitude about it. She sort of joked about how she would never ever let photos like that out. Um, she started her own business uh, in. Uh, the transportation industry, it's called Arizona Highway Safety Specialists, putting up, ultimately, was guardrails on highways. And as this whole election audit ballot review has played out, many people have thought it's interesting that a woman who ran a company that dealt with guardrails appeared to not put a lot of guardrails on the ballot review.
0: How did she end up in government? She said
2: that uh, well, she started you know again busy businesswoman up in Prescott building her business. Um, then she was uh, nominated by her work assistants to for a vacancy on the Prescott City Council back in 1992. Somebody had just resigned. She was one of 32 applicants, and she got the job. And she was hooked, or you know, sort of stuck with it. Uh, did a term or two on the Prescott Council. Later, she served three terms as mayor of nearby Chino Valley. And when she moved back to Prescott, because she and her husband had decided they were going to sell an equine business that they had and, and move into a house on a golf course, she left Chino. Um, and then she was approached by local officials to run for the legislature because there was an opening. And 11 years later, here she is at the Senate, presiding over it as the president in her second term.
1: Okay, so getting to the legislature is one thing. Becoming president of one of the chambers, the Senate in this case, that's another. Tell us a bit about that. How, how is she seen by her colleagues? Why did they view her as the person most appropriate to lead them?
2: Well, after the 2018 election, there was a big turnover um, in in the legislature, and the Senate was getting a lot of, quote-unquote, new members, in other words, mostly House members who were moving over from the Senate because they were term limited. And the senators, the Republican senators, looked around and said, well, they didn't see a whole lot of great choices. And as one caucus member told me, she was the least worst alternative in their choices for president. So she won by there, there was never a formal vote, but you know you count noses, and she had it by one vote, and that stuck. And after the twenty twenty election, um, they they stayed with her, again at a point where the the Senate at, itself was very narrowly divided, with really no votes to spare.
0: So one of the things that I think. Strikes me about Fan is that she's always very pleasant to be around. She seems to be pretty likable. She wants everyone to put on um, a a face as though you know everyone's getting along, everyone's sort of on the same page. She's keeping her caucus together. What has her her style been? You said she only won by one vote. What has her style been um, that has allowed her? to keep all factions uh, within her caucus happy and keep her president? She tries to find ways to appease. So if she can't give people,
2: for example, very important committee chairmanships, if she can't give them their first choice, she will work to give them their second choice. They get a consolation prize. Um, And she tries to calm down the egos and make them feel good about themselves. That appeasement works With some and with others, I think it really has bred some resentment that bubbles up when you get to key uh, conflict points as legislation is moving along.
1: Okay, so talk about conflict points and and lack of appeasement. This whole uh, moment after the 2020 election, Arizona turns out to be the closest state in the country in terms of the number of votes separating the major party candidates, uh, and it's a result that is very different than what Arizonans are used to. We see a Democrat actually carry the state. There's great pressure exerted on uh, lawmakers to do something about it, uh, initially to overturn the results and secondly to sort of re examine this thing. How is it that Karen Fan um, was pressed by her members and, and found herself? Um, willing to do something that her colleague in the House would not.
2: Critically, it's important to note that she would not talk about the nitty-gritty of how to answer that very good question that you pose. But we can piece together from public records, emails that we've obtained, as well as comments that she did make in our interview. She, in my view, couldn't find a way to say no. She tried to find a way to say yes she hung on to this um, line that this is all about election integrity. This is not about trying to overturn the election, although you know many of the people that were pushing for the ballot review felt that that's exactly what they were after. She just didn't have the strength to, uh, to say no. She wasn't convinced that there was a good reason to turn people away. That you know, as she said, what's wrong with wanting to ensure that the votes are counted properly? She made it sound like it was a very innocent. Um, proposition.
1: So be specific on that. Who is pressuring her at, at this time before she decides to go ahead with this? Is it people within the legislature, specifically who that might be? How much of this was coming from the public or from other sources?
2: Well, we know that she had several calls with Rudy Giuliani, President then President Trump's attorney. She says she had one phone call from the president himself at which she told him that this is not about you. This is um, about trying to figure out if the ballots were counted properly. She had pressure from her caucus. Uh, As she rightly points out, all 16 Republicans initially wanted to do this ballot review. And she comes from a fairly red district where, you know, up in Prescott, Republicans reign. And she was hearing a lot from her constituents up there.
0: So... It seems as though, yes, there was some appetite by Republicans to do a review, undertake a review of the election. But even those within her caucus did not realize the type of review that they would be embarking on, one uh, that was actually run by pretty partisan actors. What is her response to the criticism from within her own caucus that this is not the way this thing should have been done? She sort of brushes it off and says, for example, um,
2: Senator Michelle Ugentirita, who the chairman of the government committee, which handles a lot of the election bills, she s- sort of fell off the apple cart and said, you know, she thinks the the review is botched. Fan looks at that and says, well, she's not really totally off the team on this. She just has you know, some issues with how it was run. So she feels that she still had and continues to have the support of her caucus behind her as this moves forward. I also question, and again, couldn't get answers because she wouldn't talk about it, if she was aware of how partisan the contractor was that she was hiring. You know, there were a couple of false starts. There was another company she was going to hire. Some media reports come out about their very partisan leaning. She backs off and she winds up landing with cyber ninjas. And it is unclear to me if she knew what what kind of experience this company had or didn't have and what kind of statements their president, their CEO, Doug Logan, had made where he supported the Stop the Steal theme.
1: This whole ballot review obviously has garnered international attention. Um, Do we know how she settled on cyber ninjas at all? And has she, you know, troubled herself to sketch out her her thinking in the spirit of transparency?
2: All we know is my colleague Jen Fifield um, got in touch with her and she told Jen that she didn't really know, you know, who how she got, she couldn't remember how she was connected with Cyber Ninjas, which is a little curious because that was a pretty monumental decision. Plus, there had to be contract negotiations. She agreed to a $150,000 contract with the firm. Uh, She's a businesswoman. She's negotiated numerous contracts. To think that she wasn't aware of who this company was and what they were about is really hard to believe.
0: throughout all of this, rarely granted interviews that last as long as yours did. Um, Take us into that interview. What ground did you cover? What ground did she not want to talk about? What was her demeanor? Um, I
2: went into it really wanting to understand more about her background, about what motivates her, not so much focused exclusively on the audit, but obviously that is the background to to everything. And as you mentioned earlier, Yvonne, I mean, she is, she's a pleasant person. She's very genial. She likes to talk. I mean, it was a long interview, and um, I wasn't doing a lot of the talking. She's pretty easy to engage with, and that all tracked with what people I've spoken to who have worked with her at the legislature and in Prescott Politics say, you know, she, yeah, she's approachable. She's, you know, she's a consensus builder. And I think that's the thing that struck me the most is that she has always been all about consensus. And she, again, is leading this process for which she could not find consensus. She could not reach consensus with the board of supervisors. She couldn't reach consensus with her counterpart across the, uh, uh the aisle, not across the aisle, but across the, uh, Garden, you know, uh, Speaker Bowers. She was not able to achieve that, but the interview was, you know, very, very chatty. You know, learned a lot about her background. She likes to cook. You know, they ran a horse ranch. Um, she does have a kind of background that she's not a one-note person. She's got a, you know, a variety of experience that she's brought to the job.
1: For someone who is as concerned with consensus uh, as the uh, Senate president wants to be, she seems to have taken steps that would undermine broader public confidence in this entire undertaking. One of the more visible aspects of this, I think, has been the way that the media uh, factored into this, that the very right-leaning One America News Network had the exclusive coverage at times of how this was playing out. Uh, There was some very friendly media access uh, with other uh, conservative outlets. She's been critical of the way that the media has covered this ballot review. Help walk us through how she's processing this. She's essentially playing to one side of the aisle only while criticizing those who are trying to cover it for everybody, it seems.
2: I would agree with that. I think she feels that the media has been unfair, uh, especially the media in Arizona and some of the national outlets that have come in, and she feels that their coverage has been biased, and she says she's not interested in talking to them. You know, she's done a couple of press conferences, notably the one after the review wrapped up on Friday, and I will say she gave, you know, it's about 25 minutes. I mean, she took a lot of questions, um, but she has been very she says she has limited her interviews because she doesn't really want to be the face of the audit. She just wants to let the pro- wanted to let the process play out and let it get to, get to its conclusion, get the report out, and then she would talk.
0: So the ballot reviews contractors have submitted their findings reaffirming Biden's uh, win here. She has acknowledged that, obviously. Um, these contractors also have asserted that they're were some problems uh, involving different parts of the election procedures. We're not going to get into all of that now. Some of those are highly speculative and not even um, based on facts. Um, but solving the ones that or addressing the issues that have come up presumably falls now to Fan to sort of sort this out. What is next for her on this front? <laughs> um. She's going to be really busy with a lot of bills when the legislature
2: resumes in January. It's always the president's duty to assign bills to committees. We are expecting a raft of election-related bills uh, that are prompted by this audit. Um, She also, you know, handed over these reports to the attorney general um, on Friday, basically saying, here, you know, we think there's stuff in here you should investigate, Although I will tell you that a lot of the points she made seem more like um, process improvements, not violations of law, and I don't think the attorney general's there to, you know, prosecute people for not having a, a beautiful process. But what's ahead for her this next year is signing the bills, and I, I she's going to still have to defend the results of this ballot review because it lives on.
1: So, as they sort out what to do legislatively with all of this, what are voters to make of all of this? How how could all of this affect voters in Arizona?
2: Well, Doug Logan recommended that you know he thinks that we should get rid of mail-in voting. <laughs> That's not going to happen, he quickly um, said. But you know it could lead to big changes in how we cast our ballots. Um, can if if you forget to sign your envelope, how quickly can you? Fix that. Will you be given an opportunity to come in and sign it? If there's a question on how your signature matches, will you be able to resolve that? Um, I think there will also be some changes to vote, the re- voter registration process, which will really affect all the new voters, you know, new uh, people who are new to the state. These could have very profound changes. A lot depends on what they get through the legislature. Um, what what Bill's fan allows, what Bill's Speaker Bowers allows, what Governor Ducey, you know, lets pass um, and and get his signature. It's going to be a little hard to predict at this early stage. We might want to wait and see, well, a prudent person might want to wait and see what the attorney general comes up with, but I don't think anybody's going to wait for that. In fact, we have lawmakers that are already working on legislation.
0: So clearly this is going to spill well into the 2022 session, that means inevitably it's going to spill into the 2022 midterm election messaging for both Republicans and Democrats. Did Senate President Fan weigh in at all about the politics of all this and how it could um, help or hurt the Republican Party in the midterm cycle? She didn't talk about that. But interestingly,
2: she made a reference to her own ambitions. And she said that she's not sure if she's going to run for election to the seat again in 2022. And even if she does, she seems to be expressing that she's not so interested in remaining a Senate president, which would be in her last term of office if, in, if indeed she runs and wins in 2022.
1: It seems to me there are two Karen fans. There's the one before the ballot review and then the one after What was her legacy before this ballot review?
2: Oh, you know, she, a big business booster, you know, she ran bills uh, successfully that uh, created some (laughs) guidelines, guardrails for the rideshare industry. When that started, when Uber and Lyft started coming to the state, she, um, this year, spearheaded the drive to raise the state's unemployment compensation. from the very bottom in the nation to a little farther up the chart, she's worked on workman's comp legislation, texting while driving. So her 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 reputation was more a very sort of run-of-the-mill, you know, rank-and-file lawmaker who didn't do splashy headlines. She wasn't out there with all the big abortion debates. She wasn't out there screaming and yelling when they have the annual debate about tax cuts. That's just not her that's not her cup of tea, which again makes her role as the quote unquote audit queen, as she was called by some colleagues at an American Legislative Exchange Council um, conference, makes it very curious because she is now center stage at a time when she really was not.
0: How are folks viewing her legacy after the ballot review?
2: I don't see how Karen Fan won't forever be tied. To the ballot review and all the ramifications that we have yet to see. She will always be remembered as the woman that lit the fuse that started this wildfire.
1: All right. Well, Mary Jo, thanks for joining us. If people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you?
2: At Mary J. Pitzel, P-I-T-Z-L.
0: That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. Before you go, please rate and review our show and share this episode with a friend. If you want to read Mary Jo's really good profile on Senate President Karen Fan, you can find that on AZ Central. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget.
1: And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Liberto. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com.
0: You can also follow the show and other Republic podcasts like Valley 101 on Twitter at podcasts. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.